0: Good morning, Redeemer. Uh, My name is Daniel Maundu and I serve as one of the elders here at Redeemer. Uh, As we go to the word of God, the passage that we just had read for us is quite a passage that relates to us. It relates to us because we see men in crisis And what they do in their times of crisis. And how God worked during their time of crisis in their lives. So let's first pray. Our Father God, we come to you this morning. You are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And we pray that your presence will be with us and you may speak to us through your word. Give us hearing ears and hearts that are receptive. Comfort us and conform us to your will through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, as we look at uh, Seeking the Lord in Distress, just want to relate with you about the reality of distress. And uh, if you're taking notes, we have just three points. So the first point shall be the reality of distress. And seeking God in distress. And the third point will be responding to God in distress. In life, we face many difficulties. I don't know what is the greatest difficulty you have faced so far in your life. And when you're in that difficulty or distress, and a time of deep crisis, who do you turn to? Where do you go for help? What will you do that moment when something big, some difficulty, some crisis will face your life? So the passage we have just had read for us shows us David and his men arriving in their town, Ziklag. They find the town burnt down. But how did they just get to this place? Let's get a background on what happened so that we can find the events of our passage happening. After the battle in which David killed Goliath, Saul took him to be part of his army. So David would go out, leading men in battle, and come back. He was quite successful. And because of his success, Women started singing. David has killed. So Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his tens of thousands. And this thing annoyed Saul, put him into much jealousy and anger. And he started thinking of how he will kill David because he realized there's a threat in David. He was afraid for his kingdom. So one time when David is just around with Saul and Saul's spear was just close by, Saul says, this time has come. I must spear this young man and pin him to the wall. David escaped. It happened two times. When David realized that things are not good, especially with regard to my stay around Saul, Saul, He fled. And Saul began a pursuit after David. Meanwhile, there are some 600 men who gathered around David in the course of the time he was fleeing Saul. They would go and hide in caves, in the hills, in forests and in towns, small towns in Israel. But whenever Saul heard wherever they are, he would be pursuing after them. So David was a man fleeing alongside his 600 men with their families. One time reached that David thought that uh, the best thing I can do now, perhaps considering the safety of his people or the welfare, their welfare, but the best thing I should do is just to go to the land of the Philistines. And Saul, when he hears that I'm in that side, he will cease to follow after me. And the plan worked. God providentially granted favor to David and his 600 men. And while they were in Philistine, they were given a town called Ziklag to be their own town. Now if you remember the book of Joshua when Joshua was dividing the land he had given the town of Ziklag to Judah but unfortunately some of the tribes of Israel were unable to overthrow and take it as their possession. So here David gets Ziklag with his men. During his stay in Ziklag David and his men would raid the other small towns, small tribes that were enemies of Judah. He would even take their spoil and kill everyone so that the report does not reach the kings. And this went on and on. But when the king of Philistines asks David, David, where are you today? David would say, I actually went to attack Judah and the parts of Israel. So this kind of deception made the king of the Philistines believe that David is hated now in Israel. And so he will be with us throughout. So later, the king of the Philistines decided to make a war against Saul and his people. This time, it was to be on the northern side of Israel. And therefore, he approached David and told him, David, and your men, you're going to join us to be part of one army as we go to fight with Saul. Quite a snare for David. What will he do? How should he respond Will he go and fight against the very nation that God has anointed him to be king over? And if he says, No, I will not go to fight against my people, the king would probably ask him, But you have been doing it before. You've been telling me you've been doing it. And we are sheltering you from Saul. We've given you a place of safety. From Saul, who was pursuing you. So David was caught up in kind of a snare. What will he do? So David said, Okay, with my men, we'll come with you. We're not sure whether David was committed that when they reached the battle, he would really fight against his people. We're not sure, but we doubt. However, God delivered him from that snare. The Philistine army generals looked at the king and asked him, what are these Hebrews doing here among us? Is this not David of whom the women sang, David as, Saul has killed his ten thousands and David is tens of thousands? Suppose we go to the battle and they turn against us and join Saul so that they can get favor with him. Let them go back. We don't want to go with them. And therefore, from that moment, David and his 600 men began a march back to their town, Ziklag. You can imagine the anticipation of getting home. The thoughts they have, finally, we'll go back to our home. Finally, we have been rescued. We're not going to fight against our people. But when they approached home, what they saw horrified them. Their town was burnt. And there were no inhabitants that time. There's nobody. It's just smoke. And the men looked at the scene. They said, this is horrible. And you can see the passage as it has been read for us. The men started crying in deep distress about their families. They're crying about their wives, their children, what they had. It's all burnt down. And looking at it, they have no clue who has come, what has happened. The only thing they can see is the town that is is smoldering with smoke. The distress that these people faced is distress perhaps we can relate to in different ways. I don't know whether you have gone through a period of real anguish. Have you suffered? Have you ever been shocked by some news about your life? Perhaps it's the doctor who has given you a report that is causing you a lot of distress. Perhaps you've lost a job, you've been looking for a job for a long time, and now you are in a state of distress. How do I pay my house, my house rent? How do I provide for the bills? How do I cover the bills? Perhaps it's your relative Maybe it's your son, your daughter, your mother, your father going through distress. Distress becomes real. We see distress is real. We go through it. Personally, I've gone through much distress in my life. Have I been cheated? I've been cheated, yes, by people. Have I been put in difficult financial situations by people? Yes, I have. Have I got reports from the doctor? That was very scary. Yes, I've got. We've got again and again reports that bring distress to our hearts. Maybe you are a student and the report that's coming is very distressing to you. So, what will these people do? And what will you do yourself when you are in that distressing situation? Because looking back, maybe you are in distress. You were in distress or some will come in the future. So what do we learn from David and his people with regard to distress? So that, having done the reality of distress, let's proceed to our second point. Seek God in distress. Seeking God in distress. So uh, verse 6b Verse 6b says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. See, the men have been in great distress and they even want to stone David. But David encourages himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7 And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the effort. So Abiathar brought the effort to David. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after these bands? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. That statement, David strengthened himself in the Lord, is one of the most encouraging statements we have in the scripture. A man that is going through deep crisis. A man that is faced now by huge challenge. Saul has been running after him. The Philistines have sent him back. He has arrived and found his town burnt down. His wives are taken. His children are taken. His friends The friends around him are talking of stoning him. So David has nobody to comfort him and David has no one to encourage him. But then David encourages himself in the Lord, his God. Perhaps you are here and you are saying, I can relate with David's crisis in a way or another. I can relate with that pain. I can relate with distress because I've gone through some. But I can't quite connect. How does he encourage himself in the Lord? And that could be your difficulty this morning. It faces all of us. How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? Let's learn from how David did it. So the first thing is that David... Remembered God's past mercies and goodness. We learn this because that was his practice. When David was facing Goliath that particular day, he has said this. I was taking care of my father's sheep. And then a lion came and I killed it. The Lord delivered me from the lion. And I was, and the and bear came, and I also killed the bear. The Lord who delivered me from the bear and the lion would deliver me from this Philistine. So David had already a practice of remembering God's goodness. So here now, he encourages himself. Perhaps he thinks, the Lord delivered me from the lion and the bear. The Lord has delivered me from Goliath. The Lord has delivered me from the javelin of Saul. The Lord has delivered me from all his pursuit against me. And the Lord has even delivered me from the snare I was in. I can trust the Lord. He has been faithful. He will not cease to be faithful. He has delivered me. He has not changed. He will still deliver. The next thing I think David knew was He knew the promises of God for his life. And how do we know that David was a man who knew the promises of God for his life? We can see that through the Psalms. The Psalms is a window into David's heart. Listen to some of the Psalms of David. Psalms 18 verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Psalms 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 56 verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you even though, Psalms 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thus, David strengthened himself in the Lord. So, after strengthening himself, he went ahead to seek the Lord. And how did he do it? Verse 7 to verse 8. That's where we have the story of David seeking the Lord. And so the day David asked for Abiyah the priest to bring the ephod. And the, the ephod was a garment that was worn by the high priest. And later uh, we see other people wearing ephod, maybe different type of, maybe a different configuration of ephod. David was dancing, wearing an ephod. There are others who are wearing efforts. So the effort was a two-piece garment with the front and the back, some stone that holds here, and it is on this garment that the high priest, the priest had some, the orim and thumim. I think there's some stones that were used to to determine uh, what God is saying. So we don't have real details of how it worked, but David used God's appointed means to get wisdom and to get to know what God's plan is. So he asked, shall I pursue? And then the priest told him, pursue, and you shall overtake, and you shall recover. So see a man in crisis, David in deep distress, distressed in his own heart even about his own men but the first thing he thinks is let me go to the Lord on the other side David has his men all of them going through similar difficulty their wives are lost they've been taken captive their children but then they say David you're responsible for this we will stone you so they think of stoning David. See the two responses that can come. How is your response, my brother and sister, when you are going through distress? It is during the time of distress that we are very prone and vulnerable to temptation. These men, in their distress, were tempted. David was tempted. David went to the Lord. This man fought sinful plans. At this time, when David is seeking the Lord, there is another man who is similarly in big distress. So we now go to look at the battle that's going on in the north, where these men have been told, you can't join us. So Saul is also going through distress. He looks at the Philistine army and it's a big army and he's now scared. So what will Saul do in his distress? And Saul in his distress, he goes to a witch doctor. The the the. The witch of Endor. In a deep time of crisis, he wants to consult a medium. Hear what the chronicles say about Saul. First Chronicles ten thirteen. So Saul died for his breach of faith he broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. Two responses during the time of crisis. One goes to the medium and one goes to the Lord. My brothers and sisters, the circumstances facing these men and the choices they make teach us a lot. Do we go to the mediums of this world for wisdom? Will we go to the gurus? Will we seek worldly wisdom so that when we are in crisis or shall we go to seek the Lord? David's example models for us the right thing to do. That when we are in crisis and in deep distress Because we will face them. Let's put it in our hearts that the sure way, the right way, as David models for us, is to go and seek the Lord. And perhaps you're here and you're not a Christian. And you don't know what it means to seek the Lord. We invite you to consider that Jesus Christ loves you. And Jesus wants to save your life. So that you can have a connection with him in a manner that you can seek the Lord when you are in distress. <laughs> See the men of David once more. They want to stone him as a response in their crisis, they blame him. And can we learn something from that? Let me ask you do you blame others? for the crisis you're going through? They plan to harm David. Do you plan to harm somebody? Has it been going through your mind that you want to hurt somebody because of a crisis? Or do you want to harm yourself? What do you resort to also? When you are faced with financial difficulties, what have you been doing? If somebody walks out on you, or those people walked out on you, what did you do? It's this time of distress that we surely need God's wisdom and the guidance so that we may not sin against the Lord. If you read Job chapter one, verse 22, after Job was stripped of everything that he had through the quick succession of calamity, Job chapter one verse 22 says that in all these things Job did not sin, neither did he ascribe, did he talk about God foolishly. So in the time of distress, we have one sure refuge, we have one place to go, we have one person to consult, and that is the Lord. And how do we consult the Lord? Shall we ask for the priest and the effort? Today it's not the priest and the effort. It is through his word he has revealed his will to our lives. He has given us the principles and guidance by which we can live in a manner that honors him. And we also need God's wisdom to understand what distress means sometimes. We need wisdom so that we can be able to process the things that are happening to our lives with wisdom. When we are going through trials, or distresses, we are prone to think that God is not with us. We are prone to think that God has deserted us. That God is not good. That God is not caring to us. We are prone to be tempted. But brothers and sisters, it is in the trials that God is working in our lives. So sometimes the trials can, you know, when we're going through, through trials, we can be blinded. Let's open our hearts to realize that God has a plan. That God is good. We can trust God. That God is faithful. And through the trials, he has promised to be with us. In Isaiah, he says that when you go through the waters, they shall not overwhelm you. When you go through the fire, it will not burn you. I am with you. So in the reading of Ziklag... God was not absent. God was in control. It didn't happen outside of his sovereign control. In Romans chapter 8, this is what it says. Verse 28. That we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So when you're going through a difficult situation, my brother and my sister, God is with you. When you're going through a distress, God has not abandoned you. Sometimes, the trial of our faith works to prove that, you know, I I, want to phrase that it is in distress sometimes we see the trial of our faith, the genuineness of it being tried. And through it, the comfort we receive from God, we are able to give it to others. So, David inquires of the Lord. Just like we are saying we need to go to the word of God to have an understanding of God's ways and how to respond to distress. So now we go to the third point that respond to God's promise in your distress. David started moving on after he was told pursue. Now I want you to imagine of a small town in the desert. And you're in the desert. And you, you don't know which direction to follow. I, I don't know David had the direction or no, not, But they begin and they are not sure who has done it. But they move in faith. So they move in faith to pursue on the way some of David's men forget too exhausted and there's a brook they can't cross and proceed so he he has 600 men 200 men get too exhausted to proceed but see David's compassion when he's in distress and we learn something too David is not going to be overbearing on their lives tells them stay behind You are exhausted, my brothers, stay, rest. rest. And he proceeds. He is not discouraged. So brothers and sisters, when we are in distress, do we have room for compassion on other people? Or are we too angry that anybody comes near us experiences our wrath? When you're going through a hardship, how compassionate are you? David models for us to be compassionate, even to his own people. Thor is going through distress. We proceed a little, and his men, they find an Egyptian young man. Maybe his name was John Yerny. <laughs> and they bring to him to David. He's very faint. So, who, who are you? Whom do you belong to? I said, so I'm, I'm an Egyptian young man, but I was a slave to the Amalekites. And I fell sick, and he left me here to die. We are just coming from Raiding, Ziklag, Judah, and the, land of the, uh, and, uh, in the southern area. Oh, Can you show me where they are? In fact, David first feeds them. He feeds the boy. The young man is fed and is given water and he revives. Think about it. If you're going through a difficult situation, how often do you refresh other people? Do you have room to refresh other people? See, we get the model here that when we are going through distress our heart our bowels of compassion our hearts of compassion should not be locked and David cares for the young man for the first time now David has an understanding of who raided Ziklag he didn't know all along David's kindness to the young man becomes also the providential way by which God is going to, get to reveal to him what happened. Sometimes your blessing can be with a person you have declined to show kindness. So here, David shows kindness and he receives information. God has providentially placed this young man that the Amalekite, king, Amalekite rejected him but David cares for him and they proceed. The man shows David and he finds the people just dancing and singing, enjoying because of the things they have. So the young man becomes the channel by which God will show David where the Amalekites are. So let's remember that when we are going through difficult moments, Our hearts have to be opened, even to be kind to other people. Husbands, when you're going through turmoil, how have you treated your wives? Wives, when you're going through turmoil, how have you treated your husbands? Parents, have you been treating your children because of the turmoil you're going through? Children, when you go through distress, even in school, and you come back home, how do you behave before your parents? David models for us how we are to respond And how we are to live in the midst of distress. So David captures everything. And he brings back. On the way back, David is kind and gentle. He goes to greet the man who had been left behind so exhausted. But then, David has some... Young is a man among him who the Bible calls the worthless people. And they say, because those people didn't go with us, we will not give them any of the share. We will give them their wives and their children, let them go. But these things belong to us. This man had been tested with sorrow We saw what was in their heart. Sinful tendencies started showing. They wanted to stone David. Now they are being tested with abundance. And you can see their response. Selfishness. They don't want to give. This is ours. This is the spoil we have taken. We will not give to anybody. Let these people take their wives only. But you see again David's compassion. See David, our model here, he models for us how to treat people in the midst of difficulties. Although now he's not in difficulty, he has recovered. He says, my brothers, it shall not be so. For as the share of he who went to battle shall be the share of the one who remained behind. And it became a law in Israel. So David shares with other people. He sends to the, to the towns where he had roamed, where he was finding shelter and refreshment. He sends a gift to those towns. A man in distress seeks the Lord, follows the Lord's instruction Is filled with the fruits of the Spirit, is filled with good works, and you can see what happens. He brings a lot of encouragement to his people. So, David responds to God in distress. The events that we are seeing are a model of what it looks like to trust God in distress that the only right way is to respond to God by in distress by going to God so we seek God for strength we seek God for comfort we seek God for wisdom and we seek God for direction And that we should be steadfast in holding on to the promises of God. And that we may remember that the God who has been kind to us, that his kindness, his goodness and mercy to our lives in the past, is just at foretest of what he will do to us tomorrow. He says, I am with you. I shall not leave you. Until the end of the age, I am with you. And David here points us to the greater David. Jesus Christ our Lord. See the greater David. It was read for us in the first reading. In deep distress he encourages his people. In deep distress at Gethsemane he prays Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the greater David obeys the Father. The greater David marches on to Calvary. Just like the lesser lesser David marches to recovery and brings spoil. So the greater David marches all the way and goes to the cross. And what does he recover? Souls. Souls. And we are the ones he rescued. We are like the wives and the children that had been taken captive. The greater David brings. Rescue. So today, we are sons in the kingdom. We are free. We are free because he was steadfast. Doing the father's will. Not turning from the right or to the left. Not turning to the right or to the left. He marched on and he has brought us salvation. So David models for us and we see the greater David. David what he does. Jesus Christ, our savior. On the other side, we are like David's men. We become like David's men who have to follow our David. So we have to follow Jesus until the day when he shall make everything new and everything right. That day in following him when we shall recover he shall wipe away our tears to the land where there shall be no sickness no death no pain no distress we follow the greater David we follow our Lord Jesus Christ till that day let us remember that trials will come again and again. But this is God's promise to us. I will read Romans eight thirty-five to 39. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, when we face crisis, when we are in distress, there is only one right way, only one sure, safe way, and that is to seek the Lord. For as we seek the Lord, in our distress, he'll give us comfort, he'll give us wisdom, and he'll give us direction. And then we shall know how to live lives that are pleasing, before him. Let us pray. Uh, Father, we pray that you will bless the words that we have heard so that they can produce fruit in our lives. Would we be those who trust you even in our difficult moments? May we delight in doing your will And so bring you praise, honor, and glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.